I'm Carol Coletta, and this is Night Cities. Do you ever look at an abandoned building in your city and think, why doesn't somebody fix that up? Do you ever imagine that you might be the one to bring it back to life? Avra Jane is a Miami-based real estate investor and developer. Her latest project is the redevelopment of the famous Vagabond Motel in the up-and-coming Miami Modern District, and she has advice for would-be developers. Avra, you took up real estate investment as a hobby when you were working on Wall Street. What inspired you to do your first project? My first project was my own apartment. What was it about the first project, uh, your own your own apartment, that made you want to do others? Well, I think that when you do it once, you, you know, I guess I got bit by the bug, but you think about all the things that um, you would have done differently or better the next time. And so what I found was is that every time I I did the project, I was like, oh, this is great, but now I wish I had done this or I... Now I'd like to try that, um, and so it was, you know, part of it was just sort of the joy of, of learning and, um, and wanting to get better at the process. I realized that it was something that I really um, loved to do, and whether I, I didn't know that I, at the time that I was going to make it a career, but I certainly knew that this was something that I would be doing, um, at least for myself, for, um, for probably the rest of my life. You're now buying and developing in a couple of neighborhoods in Miami where the potential had long been overlooked, what's known as MIMO on North Biscayne Boulevard and Little River, a nearby industrial area that's today filled with auto body shops. Tell me what you're doing in both of those neighborhoods. They're two very different things in terms of sort of the product type, but I think the philosophy, is there's a lot of similarities in the philosophy in that buying existing, you know, existing properties, existing neighborhoods, back to urban infill, maybe taking, with the case of MIMO, the Miami Mid-Century Modern, it's a district, a historic district, that was, you know, a little different in that it was about bringing back something that was, something with some historical significance, whereas with the typical adaptive reuse that I do, which is like warehouse or industrial buildings, you renovate and you um, restore, but it doesn't have the history. What I mean by history, not the history of the structures or maybe the history of the neighborhood, but when you do commercial properties, so MIMO had previously been commercial properties with, you know, they housed memories. So you redid the hotel, well, this was a place people used to come, vacation, spend time with their families, and once the, you know, the Vagabond Hotel was redone, well, it was a place where people could come back to, and there was a lot of nostalgia associated with that, whereas like a warehouse that had been used for storage, you know, doesn't quite have that um, sort of emotional connection, um, so both of them, sustainability, um, restoration, one probably with a deeper emotional and, and, and nostalgic, you know, significance. The other probably just more, more clever, you know, uh, how, we, how am I going to take this building and, and have it be, you know, be relevant now, as opposed to MIMO, which was really just about bringing back what was. What potential did you see in those neighborhoods that others missed? Yeah, I get asked that question a lot. <laughs> um, 
You know, I think with Biscayne, um, with the MIMO, I mean, I saw that just behind the the boulevard, just one block east, was a, were very affluent neighborhoods. And so I didn't understand the disconnect. Like, why are there these beautiful homes? Of course, they, they stretch, you know, two blocks further to the water. You know, why is there this sort of artificial fence between that and Biscayne Boulevard? These are people that... Um, have commercial needs, restaurants, stores, shops, so forth, why wouldn't it make sense for them to just walk, you know, go to a walkable Main Street like it used to be? I mean, that's what Biscayne Boulevard used to be. And so these residentials before, the residential neighborhoods before used Biscayne Boulevard as sort of their Main Street, and I thought I couldn't quite understand why that was no longer the case. And one of the things that I've learned in real estate was I had to learn sometimes not to ask why. I mean, you ask why, but not let that hold you up because just because nobody else had done it or couldn't, hadn't, you know, fully committed to, to um, you know, to that, to that revitalization vision doesn't mean that it's not viable and shouldn't be done. There are some people that, you know, um, choose to follow other other developers that kind of are the first to do it, partially to take out risk or or maybe they don't have the vision to see the possibility and they'd rather somebody just, you know, follow um, what other people have identified. But the opportunity in, in real estate is is to identify because then you're buying properties at, at affordable valuations which allow you to spend the money to do better projects and therefore have more impact. So I'm, I'm not sure. I think once the Vagabond was purchased and started, I think people kind of took their blinders off, and then all of a sudden, very quickly, Biscayne, you know, became a, you know, hotbed of, of investors, especially local investors that really understood the connection between the boulevard and the residential neighborhoods and the, the location, the accessibility. Why it waited so long, I don't know. It, it took me a while to, to see it. I was only drawn to it because I had friends that were like, hey, Avra, I want to stay on I'm on the mainland side. What hotel can I stay at? I sent them to the New Yorker, and the New Yorker was full. And then I realized, hey, something's missing. The market's telling me something. And two weeks later, I, I went in contract for the Vagabond Motel. <laughs> well, as you said, in some ways, the, the opportunity on Biscayne is very different from the opportunity just a few blocks away in Little River. Again, an industrial area. It's full of auto body shops. No impressive architecture there. And yet you saw potential. And there are neighborhoods like that. You and I both know there are neighborhoods like that in cities all over America. Again, what potential did you see that everybody else missed in that neighborhood? What what I'm doing a few blocks away is is what's going on in a lot of cities, like you said, you know, certainly coming from New York, having my first projects being in downtown New York, it was all adaptive reuse of warehouse in Soho and Tribeca. So it was something that I already identified with. I, I you know, my first projects where I lived were uh, adaptive warehouses, you know, that were converted into loft living. So I knew what they could be having come from New York. And so when I looked at them, uh, you know, I, I identified, I, I had the vision to see what they could be put from past experience. So I think that was very helpful, having sort of that, you know, New York background. Yeah, I think that 
when you can buy an existing building, I also see the value from, let's say, a commodity standpoint. So you can buy an existing building in Miami. Um, you save the cost of having to go through the permitting process, the uses as of right. You have an existing structure with concrete and steel. You know, here's a building that would cost me $80 a square foot to build it. So I save time. I save money. And even though architecturally it's not as significant as, like, as let's say, the Miami mid-century modern, you know, neon hotels, it is architecturally still interesting in that it was from a period of time. So it's not that new, shiny building. I think people still appreciate sort of that, the authenticity of, of older buildings that you, you can't really recreate when you do new construction. I mean, people try to do loft construction, quote, but it's not the same as buying an old 1970s warehouse and polishing the concrete and, you know, painting the steel red. So I think that given the two, I still prefer sort of the authenticity of an older building, sometimes usually built better than they do built now, than trying to be that thing. So I think it's always better when you can find what you want, not, which is not as easy in a place like Miami as it would be in, you know, Chicago or, or New York or, you know, some, some of the other cities because Miami is a relatively new city. So when you do find these older buildings that are in good condition, because of the uniqueness, um, I think that in Miami it, it does make them special. How do you build value in a forgotten neighborhood? I mean, do you think of it, Avra, as a set of steps? Do you have a formula? I mean, you see value but others don't, right? And and ultimately, you have to have tenants, you have to have buyers, you have to have investors first. I'm curious how how you begin to translate the value you see in sort of a raw stage to others and then build up that value over time. Yeah, and, and you know, experience certainly helps because um, your first challenge is investors. So my first projects I had to fund myself, um, lots of times it was just family and friends, and now you know to have the the credibility to actually bring in you know investment capital certainly expands the, my my platform and the ability to have a bigger impact. So, and that investor process is interesting because I have to convince them that I'm going to a neighborhood that they would have driven through and said, you know, Avra, are you kidding? You know, is now a neighborhood I'm saying, hey, you know pull out your checkbook, please, you know. So what is it that I tell them? And what is it that I see that convinces me first? I have to convince myself first. And I'm looking for location, accessibility, looking for infrastructure. Uh, does it have the right, in Miami, the right water and sewers, the right, does it have transportation nearby? I like to be where there's, you know, mass transit. Uh, does it have um, sort of, what I call light and air. Does the property breathe? If it doesn't breathe, then nobody's going to want to to be there. Crowded, narrow streets, dark shadows, doesn't create a happy place. So I I look for what I call, you know, happy places that feel good. You know, uh, have some sex appeal, and so the streets tend to be wider. I look for parking availability. I think parking in Miami is a you know, is a very big overlooked component, you know, whereas in New York, you, it's not anything you ever think about. Well, here, it's something you have to think about, you know, the accessibility and the parking. And 
and I look for, you know, who's there already. So are the artists there? Are interesting people living nearby? Sometimes you'll be surprised who's behind the rolling gates. I mean, lots of times the artists are already there. People just don't know it. And um, so I look to see who's there because that gives me a pretty good idea who else will come. Because one thing you don't want to do is do something that feels contrived. So you, you pick a neighborhood, easy to get to, parking, the infrastructure, you know, does it breathe? And then who's there? And then ask other people that you know are being displaced, whether it be in Wynwood or Design District or somewhere else, that are coming to you asking you, hey, Avra, do you have anything for us? We have to move. And then asking them, oh, by the way, if I, if I bought something in this neighborhood, is this something you would be interested in? So even though the buildings may not be tenanted and, and, and full and they may have you know, auto body shops, it doesn't preclude me from asking other people who I know are in need of space, would, would, would you move here? How do you feel about this neighborhood? So I actually have a pretty good idea of, I think more than people realize, I have a pretty good idea of what the neighborhood would attract if I do you know, the right thing, let's just say. So, um, and the market gives you a lot more information than you think. You just have to ask. There are so many people, Avra, who aren't real estate developers, but they see potential in their cities that, you know, local developers, local investors don't yet see. And it's really frustrating. I, I was one of those people once. Um, what advice would you give them? Have, have courage. So many people have said, oh, I was going to buy that, or I thought to do that, or, you know, um, but it's just sort of having the courage to do it. I think trust your instincts. Know what you like, because chances are, if you like it, other people will like it too. So then that's sort of the first step. And, and have the courage to do it, even when other people aren't buying there, you know, especially when it's for yourself. It, you know, I always encourage you, people, well, buy your first house or your first loft apartment or whatever, and buy it where you'd want to live. You know, it doesn't have to be where everybody else is. Or you're, let's say you're a user and you need to build your office. When you make that investment into your business, well, maybe make it also in the real estate and, and choose that location where, you know what, I'd be happy here just because everybody else is in here. I, I'd be happy here. I know I've bought property from a lot of business owners where they did just that for their own businesses as users. And in the end, the real estate ended up being more valuable than their business. So in the end, in New York City, when I went and bought, you know, a, a loft apartment building on, on Crosby Street, the guy ran a fabric store, you know, and all it was was floors of fabric. And in the end, he sold the building for, that became his retirement. It wasn't the business that became his retirement. It was actually the real estate that became his retirement. So I would always encourage people to invest in their own uses, their own apartment. You know, when you do other types of investments that I do, you know, there's the other component of building, creating value. You know, whereas for yourself, at least you're creating value for yourself. You are where you want to be. You do it your way. And, if, and, you know, instead of paying rent to somebody else, you're paying to yourself. So there's a lot of good reasons to make that investment as a user. You know, for me, you know, I have to take it one step further. And then it's like, okay, well, then how do I create the additional value? which is um, creating sense of, sense of place, 
quality of life, not just within the spaces, but outside the spaces, creating more neighborhood by bringing in food and beverage. So my investment becomes more programmatic after, um, after, after that, and that becomes, a, you know, obviously a lot more work. But going and buying your own place as a user, everybody can do that. Avra, thanks so much for being our guest on Night Cities. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Carol. Avra Jane is a Miami-based developer whose latest project is the Vagabond Motel. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag NightCities and at Cicoletta. Find out first when new conversations are posted by signing up for our newsletter at nightfoundation.org forward slash features forward slash NightCities. You've been listening to Night Cities. I'm Carol Coletta.